What does it mean Messiah matters? It means apart from him we can do nothing. It means he is the way, the truth, and the life. Yeshua is the only way of salvation. He is everything. We have to have the Tanakh to know the Messiah. But we have to have the Messiah to know the Tanakh. Without Messiah, we have nothing. Basically, it's all about the Messiah. It's Wednesday, November 28th. This is Messiah Matters number 243. Ready for the sun and the beach. My name is Caleb Hegg. And with me, the man who is still in awe over meeting Steve Vai, <laughs> Rob Van Hoff. You know what up, buddy? How's it going? Yeah, that wasn't me, actually. I, I've come to the conclusion that it could not have been me in that conversation. <laughs> uh, so we got a lot of things going on. I hope that Dude, everybody... Speaking of music... Wait, 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 hang on just a sec. Speaking of music, yeah, I hope you I'm, enjoyed I'm, that, I'm, that, I'm, that, that. I need to share it, yeah. shed a tear here. Yeah, that, that's the last time you're going to hear that intro music. Yeah, it's like... So I was trying to soak it in. Yes. New season starting next week, which is interesting because... Dude, this is the end of five years. Is it though? I think it's actually the end of four years. No, 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 no. We're coming into our sixth year. We Isn't we that... start, We started on December all 5th, of, all 2013. All of 2015, 16, 17, 18. So 14, 2014, oh, 15, yeah, 16, 17... 18. Yeah, I guess you're right. So we're coming in. Because we started December of 2013. Right. And I remember uh, that was the year I think we were in Baltimore. And we interviewed Dr. Averbeck. And that was one of the, uh, that was some material that we, that we had in 2014. So 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Yeah, we're finishing our fifth year. Going into six. Coming into our sixth year. That is just crazy. I mean, now... Granted, some weeks we've taken off, but I mean, the, the what were it two forty three? You said so. That's this about is right. I mean, if you divide yeah. it by five. So la- yeah, and last week I don't know if we can consider that a show. By the way, uh, for anyone who tried to watch it, I apologize for the the loud buzzing throughout the, throughout like seventeen minutes of the of the of the broadcast. Um, it wasn't bad. I I went through and watched it. it. It there were some video hiccups and stuff, but you know, I think. For it the is, spontaneous uh For sitting in the Denver airport. Stream. Right, exactly. I mean, I don't think that you can do any better than that. I'm going to turn you down just a little bit here. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, you know, it wasn't it wasn't horrible. Uh, and we got to talk about some good things. Um, but next week, actually, so my family leaves on a much-needed, uh, well, it's we're doing multiple things. So um, it's a vacation. Uh, we, we take a, uh, we always take a, our vacation um, in December. And so, uh, and which is nice because I've been gone for nine days at the ETS SBL meeting so, and away from my family. Yeah. And uh, I come back, I'm back for about a week, and then we, you know, then we take off and we go on vacation. Um, so this vacation is a little bit different, though. We're doing a couple of different things. Uh, we're meeting up with some friends uh, for Shabbat, which will be really nice. Our good friends at YeshuaShirts.com. If you don't have a, uh, a shirt that says Yeshua on it, then you're doing it wrong. Um, and you should go check out their shirts at YeshuaShirts.com. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong, man. Um, so we, we, we have wonderful friends over at YeshuaShirts.com, and, and we're actually staying with them for a couple nights, which is going to be really fun and really great. We got kids the same age. Um, so, woot, woot. yeah, that's always good. Um, and then uh, then we're going uh, we're gonna spend some time at the beach, and uh, I'm very excited for cool. that. So, um, but another thing that we're going to do, is we are going to, um, we're going, my wife and I are doing a, a planning meeting. Uh, we're starting some new endeavors in ministry. And uh, so we're going down to start some, uh, to do some some brainstorming, some planning on on how the Lord, praying a lot of prayer on how the Lord wants us to move forward. Um, and yeah, so somebody just asked me, is the show on? Yes. Hopefully we're working. Is the show on? It's saying it's restricted. 
Is anyone else seeing restricted? Hmm. Let's see here. No. That's weird. We have people in the chat room. Maybe we do we need to get a let me make sure feedback I'll, from our peeps yeah, in the let, chat room. Working good here. All right, good. So most of the people so we we have 18 in the in the chat room right now, which means it's not I mean, we've been off for a couple of weeks. So welcome. Um, Thanks everybody for joining us. Yeah, this is uh, really cool. Okay, good. Well, um, anyway, so uh, for for our listeners uh, and for the people in the chat room, uh, be praying for my family as we uh, go and uh, seek the Lord's guidance in in uh, the direction that we're going. That's number one. But number two is we will have a show next week. Actually, uh, Rob and I are going to record a second show today. And uh, it's not going to be live, so there will be no chat room. But we will, I will post it on Wednesday, um, so you'll still be able to, um, still be able to to uh, uh, watch it at the normal time and whatnot. And uh, and you're really going to want to tune in because we will feature our new uh, our new intro and outro music. Season six, baby. It took me a whole day. New new music. It's, it's, I'm not going to lie to you. It's one of the dreaded parts of my year is coming up with new, with new music. And, oh, and you did a great job. You, Caleb narrowed it down to two and then he played them for me. And, and I think we both kind of gravitated to the same one, the same one of the two. And well, it's a multifaceted and you know, we have to, we have to give a shout out to, uh, to our good friend, Christian, uh, Christian Parks, who, um, has, has, uh, he, he's actually going to be responsible. We're blaming him for the new intro music. Um, he, uh, he funded us finding new intro music. So basically the way that, that the intro music works is that once a year I sit down and I, um, I, I record Rob and I, uh, talking about the show and then I create with loops, I create different, uh, an intro music and I lay the audio over that. And then we, um, we didn't used to do this. We used to use royalty free music, but uh, I've pretty much exhausted all of that. So now we actually purchase a, it's not expensive at all, but we purchase a, uh, a song that yeah, we like so, uh, yeah. and, uh, and we get the, we get the rights to it and that's what we use for the year. So, and th- probably the hardest part I went, I spent about two hours, uh, going through all of the music that you can purchase online and, uh, you know, just hundreds and hundreds of different songs that, you know, intro and outro music. So it's it's a labor of love. I actually have a lot of fun with it. it. It's hard and it's difficult and I dread it. But at the same time, once I'm doing it, I love it. It's like a highlight and a dread of the year. All right. Well, we're back. <laughs> we're back in the uh, in the broadcasting chair. It's a yes, place that I love to be. Man. Let's first give a shout out to our producers. We're coming to the end of our our producerships, and so uh, I want to make sure that uh, everyone sees and acknowledges the people who have helped put on this uh, put on this show and the shows for this uh, for this quarter. Uh, we will have a new quarter coming up here shortly in a couple weeks. And if you would like to be an executive or an associate producer, you can figure all that out on our website, tourresource.com, and look under uh, TR Radio. There's a Messiah Matters tab under there, and once you hover over that, there's a thing that pops out that says producerships or something to that effect. Um, go and check that out, and uh, yeah. Uh, we're g- very grateful to the people who support the show. And then not only that, but our regular supporters who support us on a monthly basis for as little as $5 a month. That's right, for the price of a latte each month, you can support this show. Um, and you can find out all that at TorahResource.com as well. Okay. Well, we have some interesting things uh, to talk about. I have started a notebook. Uh, and the notebook has different uh, show topics and ideas uh, and different emails that people send us uh, with all different kind of uh, things that we can talk about on the show. And the binder right now will get us certainly through the end of the year. But... <laughs> randomly oh, i was yeah i i uh i gotta say I, I spend very little time on facebook these days uh i think it's uh draining to the soul so i pretty much stay off of facebook i'm i'm on uh i'm on instagram and i'm on twitter uh more often than i am facebook but i happened to be looking at facebook the other day because i was going to post a picture of rob with steve vi uh and if you don't know who steve vi is go to facebook check out that post in the post i posted a video of steve i steve vi okay, i have to ask you when did you did you see that 
like a long time ago, that movie or something. Dude, it's Ralph Macchio. I know, but I mean... <laughs> Ralph Macchio is like one of my favorite I, actors ever. I think that's a... I just, you know, I think that's a rated R movie, and I, I think... Oh, I'm sure. I've never actually seen I think, it. I've, no, I've, I think I saw it when I was like 15, right? I mean, never, so I was I, like... I, all, all, full disclosure, I've never seen that movie. Oh, you just saw... I wasn't allowed to. I put in Steve Vai into a YouTube search, and the first thing that came up was Battle with Steve Vai yeah, and cool. Ralph Macchio. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you yeah. know, Ralph Macchio... So uh, don't... I, just as, just as a shout out. If you watch the clip, don't watch the movie as a whole. Just to... to there you go. People know that. Yeah. But uh, I put a clip in there of, of Steve Vai uh, guitar battling Ralph Macchio. Yeah. It's like good versus evil. Is the like the setup for that clip? That clip's kind of like the crowded end of the movie. Yeah, they're playing for the soul of again. Don't you don't need to watch the movie, but the story. We don't is, need to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, you can you can check it out all there. Anyway, so I was going to post that. This is all a lead up to our first clip. I'm, you can tell we haven't broadcast in a while because we're all over the place right now. Uh, it's it's fun to be back. Okay, um, so I was on you. Uh, I was on Facebook. Uh, I was I was going to post this picture of Rob and Steve Vai, and uh, and I came across this clip, and it's uh, it's an Orthodox rabbi who's talking about the reason why Jews don't believe in Jesus. Now I th found this interesting for multiple reasons. First of all. Well, let's just listen to it and we'll stop. We'll stop it along the way. Uh, let me know if you want to stop it. Yeah, uh, Jesus, of course, was a Jew. There's no question about it. And in fact, uh, he was actually a disciple of some of the great rabbis of the Mishnah. Uh, there are really... <laughs> okay, let's stop with the, with the chuckle. Go ahead. Why do you laugh? Uh, th oh, this is what you call uh, re-narration, reframing. Okay, tell me right? why. So he... So this, if this guy's, uh, you know, a legitimate rabbi... Which in, he in is, the in the Orthodox, yeah. in the Orthodox world, then for him, the Mishnah um, is the oral law that goes all the way back to Moses, and that, like Hillel and Shammai and all the people mentioned in it, um, uh, provide for him an understanding of the Second Temple period, like in its scripture. Right for him, the Mishnah is is sacred words, right, and the Halakha is is the word of God, right, right. capital W. I, I kid you not. Okay, that's what the Mishnah is for Orthodox. So, um, to what he's doing, he wants to place this person called Jesus in his picture frame, right? Um, that, so, so, so he's, wait, he's can, painting can I ask a picture you a of Jesus as a disciple. Can I ask you a question though before you yeah. go on? So, is the reason that you find this humorous because since Acts mentions that Paul is a disciple of Gamaliel? And which, mm -hmm. which obviously we take, yeah. Sure. So our scriptures oh, yeah, as capital true. W, right? So, so this is we take this as fact, but then later rabbinical writings like the Mishnah mention Gamaliel. Which one do you think came first? In, not in, not in chronological order. Oh, I think, I I think there really was a, a Gamaliel. Gamaliel. Okay, good. Yeah, Keep going. yeah. Keep going. I, I, I think for sure there was, and I think the the later there's early Christian writings that say he was a believer. He became a believer. And then there's in the Mishnah, you see, no, he's a he's on our side, right? So there's a tug of war. Sadly, the guy had been dead for a hundred years when this tug of war kind of started to happen. Begins, right? Keep going. Um, but anyway, I would just say, let me stop you right there. You know, with this rabbi, what he's he's not using what we call, you know, the the core sources for for the apostolic writings. He's not using the gospel. So where does he get this idea? Where does he, how can he so smoothly interject into the discussion this portrayal of Jesus as a disciple of the great rabbis of the Mishnah? Hang on just a sec. I, I have a sound clip for this. Weights and measures. Okay, keep going. <laughs> no, anyway, so, okay, let's, let's continue. So I would say no, fail. So okay, wait, hang on, just like let me play the devil's advocate. He's trying here. to gain territory. He's trying to gain. Uh, let me let me play a devil's territory advocate for his argument, and it's 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 uh, you can't build on that. Let me it's let me a, let me uh, let me play devil's advocate here, though. We see obviously that uh, that uh, Gamliel is mentioned in Acts as Paul's teacher. Mm -hmm. 
And we, and see we have him, Nicodemus come to Yeshua at night in John 3, right? John 3, yeah. Okay, so the point, so, but he sees, he sees Gamaliel in the Mishnah as one of the rabbinical teachers in the Mishnah. Well, the, uh, the guy's not citing Gamaliel. He says he's, the, uh, he, he says Jesus is a disciple of the great rabbis of the Mishnah or something. Right, okay, like I get what you're saying. Where, says who? There's something in this office that is bothering me. My, my allergies are kicking off. Sorry, I, I got the, I got the face itches. Okay, let's keep going with the clip. Um, where were we? Wrong clip. Okay, here we go. Uh, several problems uh, with Jesus as Messiah. Uh, number one uh, is the fact that to the extent that either Jesus or maybe Paul after Jesus, this is kind of an open question, called for the abrogation of the commandments of the Torah by basically saying that God replaced the covenant with Israel with a new covenant based on faith in uh, Jesus, uh, that is a violation of the fundamental idea that the Torah is eternal and the Torah will never be changed. Okay, hang on just a sec. Now, I know that this is, for you and me... Second straw man. Okay, for you and me, it's a straw man. But honestly, if he's talking to modern-day Christianity, to modern-day evangelical Christianity, this is a true argument. Right. Well, I granted, I, I would I would accept that. And, and But we have to also remember, we have to keep in mind that the people that are going to accept this argument from him, from this rabbi are the same ones, are the same vast majority of Christians, at least in the West. Remember the uh, Ligonier Ministries? Sure, sure, sure. That they're most, most of what they're carrying around in their noggin is heresy anyway. Right? I, okay, I totally agree with you, but you and I just came off of a trip to ETS, Evangelical Theological Society. I would say that 90% of the, of the um, evangelical scholars there are going to agree that, that Jesus and Paul spoke against the Torah, right? I mean, we had this problem, you and I, um, and don't get me wrong, I, I've, I've... I don't know. I think that, I think people, I think it's a rock in people's shoe. I mean, you saw, okay, Dr. Kaiser, that was it Thursday morning, he had Ky- a packed Kaiser's room. An, Kaiser's an exception, I would say, but yeah. No, but he had a packed room, and they, and, and he's, I wish we had clips of that. We do, Christy Anderson actually My took video of it. My students ask me, have you read, have you ever read the New Testament? <laughs> he's like... I did, and I liked it. <laughs> it it reminded, reminded me of the Old, the Old Testament. Testament. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, so those are his classic jokes, but he delivers them so well. You and know, he, he delivers gets, them every single year, and every single time the, the room erupts. It's it's fantastic. But, but but his point, and he didn't even get into, I know we're, this is an extended footnote here, but <laughs> my so point is, weeds. <laughs> he, there is a strong undercurrent, and I saw it in many ETS papers, like yeah. one on on the Psalms, Torah in the Psalter, and he was talking about the love of God's Torah throughout the Psalms, and I was just like going, "This is awesome! This is awesome! This is awesome!" You know. And then at the end of the session, people ask some questions, and then they move on, and it's like, like oh, it's oh, just oh. left hanging. And so I know it's there. I know there's a harvest ready. Okay, I, I'm with way. you on that. In fact, this is why I think that the church continues to reform, right? We're seeing the continual yeah. reformation into a Torah observance. There's no doubt about it in my mind. However, and look, I like Dr. Michael Bird. Uh, you know, he's he's done great things in in uh, in Australia for scholarship and whatnot. He's a young guy. I, I think he's actually close to my age. He's got his doctorate. Uh, he's he's written a, a lot for uh, various dictionaries and um, and and whatnot. He's in, uh, and I have respect for him. There's no doubt about it. And we, I wanted him on this show, and I contacted him, and he said, "Yeah, I'd be willing to come on the show." I said, "Great. Let me let me uh, let me read your new book on Paul on you know." And so he said, "Yeah, not a problem." So Rob and I both get it. We both get his book. We start reading it. I get about. 80 pages in or so, and I realized there's no way that we can have Dr. Bird on the show and talk about Paul. And the reason why is because he just assumes all, all of his readers will agree with him that Paul calls for the abrogation, as this rabbi is saying, of the, of the Torah in Galatians. And the last thing I want to do is get a well-respected scholar on our show and right. and have a debate with him and 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 you know Here, be confront him on something like that. That's not what that's not what we're trying to do. Here, here's some back to our clip. If I could, if I could, uh, kind of bring us full circle okay. on this this Go extended ahead. footnote here. <laughs> the the rabbi that that we're listening to in the clip 
is back to this just weights and measures idea. Like when we talk about, you know, the rabbinic world, most often in our discussions, we will talk about the the fragmentation even within Hasidism, for example. Sure. Right? This rabbi is not giving that type of generosity. He, he He's not giving his listener that um, caveat. Rather, he's just painting the whole picture. And he places, it's either Jesus or Paul, we're not sure, but one of them called for the abrogation of Torah. And that's lazy thinking. That is not, that is not a mind that actually would be trained through the, through the Talmud, right? The Talmud is, the study of the Talmud is about nuance, you know, high level of nuance between subtle, uh, subtleties I'm and with interpretation. You. I'm with you. So anyway. So, uh, I, I guess what I I guess what I'm saying is, and you know, we've had this conversation recently with some of the uh, some of the rabbis, and I think even anti missionaries who have commented on uh, some of our recent clips. Um, it, what's interesting is that there's, I think that Orthodox Judaism has still not realized. They're not willing to admit that what started as a uh, a way to evangelize Jews, which was Messianic Judaism back in the early 1900s, has actually turned into a legitimate, viable movement within Christendom. And I know a lot of people are going to balk at that, but a, within uh, Christianity and or whatever you want to say, if you want to say it's part of Juda- Judaism, that's up to you. But they're not willing to even address any of the arguments that we would bring up because to them, it's just a way to evangelize Jews. The problem is, is that since it is in my view, since it is a continuation of the reformation and since the, since the church is going to be reformed, as I believe the scriptures say into a Torah observance, Judaism is going to have to deal with this at some point. They're going to have to deal with the idea that we are saying that the Torah, that Jesus so, and Paul. So did where not... is the ba- battle line then? Because what I'm hearing you say is that like this rabbi, he's he's setting up a, essentially a straw man. And there might be people in the Christian world that will look at that straw man and actually think they don't see it as a straw man. They see it as an accurate picture. But if if the body of Messiah is a living, breathing uh, uh entity right on the on the world on the planet then the question is where is the real battle where is the where is the precise battle line between you know the genuine believer now i don't want to say that there's no that the people who would accept his straw man argument as as fair are not legitimate believers i i, but would, I would say they're they're not they're not fully educated to the I, here's here's why I would say I would say just as much as you're right that there are some good scholars at ETS that would probably buy into that. I say I would say a lot would question. I mean, even Dr. Keener would probably say, you know what, that's not exactly a fair portrayal. I would agree. And one more question on that before we continue, Caleb. Would you do you imagine that someone like a Dr. Keener or even some others uh, would actually be provoked? to jealousy in a way for the Torah in hearing this rabbi's misportrayal. In other words, could this misportrayal even function to encourage people who've been on the fence or have been kind of lackadaisical with, lackadaisical with defining the place of the Torah in the life of the believer to actually spur them to no, actually... I, I don't think so, and this is the reason why. I, I, tell you, I give you two reasons why. First of all, I think to many Christians, this is just a, a, a Jewish person who has rejected Jesus, so there's, there's nothing in his argument at all. That's number one. Number two, I've been giving the same arg- argument. I've called it the Mormon controversy. And the reason why is because what the Mormons say, and I've said this many times on this show, so for those who are a... Um, a <laughs> For those who listen on a regular basis, you can just mute this for a few seconds because you've heard it already. But the point, the point that I've made is Mormonism says that, that Joseph Smith came and through progressive revelation changed what Jesus and Paul have said, right? 
Um, in yeah. other words, they can disagree with with the the apostolic scriptures, and it's no big deal. Well, Christians say, and when I used to do uh, missionary work in in Utah to try to convince Mormons they were wrong, uh, one of the big things that we would do is go and show where Joseph Smith contradicted scripture. Well, the problem is, is that if if this rabbi is right, then Jesus and Paul did the same thing. You had the Torah, you had the Tanakh, Jesus and Paul come along and they say, oh, the Sabbath is forever. No, it's not. It ends with Jesus dying on the cross. Oh, the, the kosher laws are throughout all your generations. No, because it ended when Jesus uh, died on the cross. They're going, if this is true, then what, then what, uh, then they're going directly against what the scripture says. And therefore they should not have been listened to in the first place and they could not be uh, agents of the most high. Right. However... Yeah. That's not what Paul and Yeshua said. Right. And therefore, we have to re-look at how how they said it and what they were saying. This is the whole point of what I call the Mormon controversy. Okay, let's keep going because... Um, so, I, the end-all, be-all point to that is that I think that the rabbi, if this rabbi, if he... Uh, if that was what Paul and Jesus said, which I don't believe it is, then I would say he has a good... Um, a, a, a good point. Let's keep going with his clip. So consequently, any religion, any religion that claims that the Sinaitic revelation has been superseded is by definition not acceptable to Judaism. That is point number one. And this is true even if Jesus is simply a Messiah figure as opposed to a divinity. Now, point number two is, and again, I'm, I'm not going to address the problem of whether this was Jesus's claim or a claim that was made later. But to the extent that Jesus is elevated, not only as a Messiah, but is considered to actually be divine, to be God, then obviously any belief that says that God assumes a human form or a human body is treated as idolatry and a violation of the fundamental belief in the nature of God. So that would be a second reason. Okay, there's a lot here because I got a lot to say about this one. First, yeah. first of all, He's projecting later rabbinic world, right, he, uh, onto the first century. Well, maybe that, but even then, you have Schneerson, who they've said he is who he is, which is a is a claim of deity. Right. They've deified Schneerson. The the Hasids have have or the Chabad. I shouldn't say the the yeah the Chabad have deified Schneerson, right? <clears throat> Most of of Judaism has deified Enoch. Kabbalistic, uh, you know, they've deified Enoch, and he was a man, right? They call him the lesser yod heh in Kabbalah. But that's neither here nor there, in my opinion. And, and here's the reason why. In my opinion, this is the major rub that is going to be between Judaism and those who believe in the true Messiah, Yeshua, until it is revealed to, the, to Israel as a whole, and they call out to, to the Messiah, Yeshua. Okay. With that being said, one of the travesties that we see within the Hebrew roots and messianic movement are, and I'm not saying that it's a majority, maybe it is, maybe it's not, I don't know what the numbers are, but there is a strong push by many to say, oh, and I don't know if it's because they want they want to be accepted by Judaism, I don't know what it is, but they say, oh, no, Yeshua's not deity, the scriptures don't teach that, no, he's just an agent, Right? And this is, uh, I think this belief is more prevalent than people actually believe. There are good, I, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say good. <laughs> there are teachers in the Hebrew Roots and Messianic movement that I have contacted personally and said I wouldn't share their names because I wanted to get to the bottom of whether or not they were, what they were really teaching. I asked if they believed that Yeshua was yod heh And they said, we can't use that those words because the scriptures never use those words, which is not exactly true. Um, but I think that if the people who supported them and listened to them on a regular basis knew that their teachers would not admit that they think that, that they don't openly say that they don't believe that Yeshua is yod heh I think people would be shocked. It's a big problem. Yeah, I was thinking about that uh, this week. I was, you know, I was meditating on, on Psalm 23. It says, right? I, The Lord is my, Yodhevave is my shepherd. And that's David. Right. 
But Yeshua himself cites, asks about the Messiah and cites Psalm 110. And, and says, says the Holy I Spirit am the good says, shepherd too, right? He, well, he says, David uh, said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Well, how can he be David's son if, he, if David is calling him Lord? And this idea of, and then Yeshua saying, I, you know, I am the, I am the good shepherd. Right. Um, th- that's just one example. But of course the gospel of John starts out that it says the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And that, that idea of tabernacling goes back to the Mishkan. It right. goes back to the very fact of, of scripture being written and, and having some sort of place where something that is holy, right. Gets somehow, I, I, th- I see those as types of incarnation, right? right. The writing down of scripture, the, the presence of God in a tabernacle, in a temple, in Solomon's temple. Right. Those are foreshadows of the word becoming flesh, uh, ultimately, of course, in Yeshua. So, so yeah, that, that, again, that, that's the second time I would say this rabbi is projecting uh, unhelpfully uh, for the sake of just clear thought, um, later developments of of rabbinic ideas of what the nature of God is, right? Where's he looking? Is he going to Maimonides in the Middle East? You know, when, when do Jews talk about the nature of God? It's not even really in the Talmud. It's really not until the medieval times where, and, and we cannot read those writings outside of the, the, uh, hostility and pull, you know, the polemical nature between the divergent groups, whether it's Christians and Jews or between Rabbinites and Karaites or between Muslims and Jews, right? You, by the time the things this guy is leaning on come to fruition, we're already in a world that, that all this uh, dissension is already there. One of our, and one, he's just imagining with waving his magic wand of the the ancient rabbis of the Mishnah that somehow he has this grand uh, true story of of the history of the Jewish people, and it's it's disingenuous, it, and it's uh, you know it's hard to know. You know, at, at, I I was a kid at uh, e, not ETS at SBL. I was told by someone who teaches not a believer, but who teaches people believers all over, teaching them how to say the name of God and everything supposedly, uh, that I was calling him a liar. And I said, you know what? I don't know if you're a liar because I can't see your heart. Uh, liar would be someone who knows one thing to be true and then, but deliberately tells something other than that. And, and it's with this rabbi, I don't, maybe this rabbi is just regurgitating what he was taught. You know, it sounds kind of like prepared talking points. Oh, I'm sure. Um, that are really straw men. Really, so you know, in my in my I, view, I just want to mention this one. Uh, one of our associate producers in the chat room, uh, Gary, says the good shepherd in Ezekiel is Yod Hey Yes, good point. Thanks, Gary. Right on. Yeah. Okay, I want to move on. Um, and this uh, this was sent to me. I'm not trying to pick on anyone. Um, many of our many Come of our listeners, Caleb, you are trying to pick on somebody. I know. Well, it. many of our listeners know who Dr. Michael Brown is. I respect Dr. Michael Brown uh, immensely, even though we disagree theologically. Um, I've had personal one-on-one conversations with Dr. Brown. Dr. Brown has been on this show before in season one. He was one. very gracious to come on our show, and I, I don't know that he will ever do it come, again. <laughs> come back, but that, yeah. Uh, but, but nonetheless, we respect Dr. Michael Brown uh, a lot. Um, somebody sent us this. This is in your show notes, by the way. Uh, if you'd like our show notes, I will put it in the... Actually, I think it already is. Is it in the... Yeah, it is. To receive show notes, sign up here. So if you look at, on YouTube in the description of this video, uh, you can sign up for show notes if you'd like to and get them every week. They're just... They're very very short. Usually they just have links of where we pull things like this, our clips from. Um, so uh, this person says to me, please, would you have a look at this short five-minute video clip? I would love to hear your take on this. Dr. Brown here has thrown a spanner in the works for me with this i'm not sure what that means i don't think i agree uh on this okay so this this was very difficult for me to try to to cut normally what i do is i try to keep our clips that we talk about under two minutes that way our audience to, uh-oh rob's in the uh, chat room. i just saw adam's post he said so adam's obviously watched this clip i haven't and so i know you sent it to me but i'm like i want to hear it fresh 
right? I want to. Well, normally, I try to keep for for the sake of our audience, being able to to listen to a clip. It, two minutes is a really long time when you're listening to somebody else. Well, this clip that uh, that that somebody posted online is four minutes and thirty five seconds long, and so I thought, okay, I'll go in and I'll clip it. You know, I'll I'll make it into shorter clips. I couldn't find a good place to clip it. And not only that, but the whole thing was was uh, needed talking about. I don't even know if we'll get to the whole thing. But um, so I just have the whole clip and tell me when to stop at any point and we can stop. Let's look at some of the. By the way, I should set this up just a little bit. He's talking about he's talking about Leviticus. I believe it is 18 homosexuality. OK, and this is uh, Dr. Brown's done very good work on this. OK, he's talked a lot about he's been a, a very strong advocate against the uh, cultural push to, in acceptance of immorality within uh, transgender, uh, homosexuality, gay, lesbian, all that kind of stuff. So he's done, he's done good work in this, and, uh, and I, I applaud him for that. So he's talking about that issue, and he's going to get into a different issue because of it. Key texts. Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22. Some people think they quote this, and that ends the subject. There are many objections that are raised. Leviticus 18, 22 says that a man shall not lie with another man the way a man lies with a woman, which would obviously refer to sexual conduct and in particular penetration. You say, well, there it is. It's an abomination. Well, if, if I had a dollar for every time I was asked this question, I would actually be a rich man. Well, do you eat shellfish? Well, actually, no. Actually, I don't. Never been into shellfish. But the objection is supposed to be the end-all objection. In other words, there are plenty of Levitical laws that you don't live by today. There are laws of ritual purity that you don't live by today, and most of you don't live by the dietary laws, or many of you don't live by the dietary laws of Leviticus 11 and Deuteronomy 14. So it's completely hypocritical for you to pick this part of the law and ignore the other parts. Okay, I want to stop real quick, um, because now he's going to give us the reason why he, he is going to separate these laws and, and doesn't think it's wrong to eat unkosher food, but does think it's wrong to, uh, to, to engage in homosexual relationships. Um, and... And I agree with him fully on the homosexual relationships part. Um, this is the same argument that that Dr. Brown, for many know my father, Tim Hag, who is the president of Torah Resource. Uh, and uh, he went on Dr. Brown's radio show, In the Line of Fire. And uh, that interaction was frustrating for me for, for multiple reasons. Number one, uh, Dr. Brown... It seemed like at every key moment that uh, he wanted my dad to respond, he cut to commercial, which really... It, it was it was a bit annoying, but not the point. Um, one of the things one of the things that Dr. Brown said was uh, homosexuality is an abomination. Do you think that um, do you think that eating unkosher food is an abomination, or do you think that it's on the same plane? Now, I I think that in hindsight, my dad probably would have answered differently, but the answer should have been I think up front should have been. Uh, Eating unkosher food is an abomination because the Bible says it is. It's not on the same plane as homosexuality because homosexuality brings the death penalty. What's the what's the uh, what's the punishment for eating unkosher food? Nothing. There is no punishment for eating unkosher food. It is a relationship punishment. It's that you have gone against what God has asked you to. Any person who has dedicated themselves fully, dedicated themselves to the Almighty. And walking a life of servitude to him in this life knows that it's not about what the punishment is. It's a relationship issue. I walk with God on a, in a relationship aspect every single day. Every single aspect of my life is wrapped up in God. And that should be for everyone who is a believer. It, it, whether, you know, I don't care if you're pumping gas at a gas station. I don't care if you're working at a McDonald's or a Starbucks. It doesn't matter. Your whole life should be in dedication and lived out to glorify God and to glorify Christ. So, but the Torah gives different levels of, of punishment. If I eat unkosher food, what's the punishment? In, in the eyes of many around me, there is no punishment. 
I eat the bacon, and then it's just between me and God. Now, if a man lies with a man, what do you do? You stone him. It's the death penalty. So obviously, even in God's in God's structure, there is different levels. And I wish that that's kind of where my dad would have gone with it. I think that's honestly, I think my dad would, I know my dad would agree with that. And I think that uh, he, if he had it over to do again, I think that's the, that's what he would have said straight away. But um, nonetheless, okay, let's listen to why Dr. Brown though says that he doesn't think it's wrong to keep kosher. And this, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it. Do you stone disobedient, rebellious children? Do you put adulterers to death? Do you burn a witch? Do you do any of these things? How, how dare you just pull this verse out? Ah, we're not just pulling it out. This is interesting. I, I didn't catch this before, but I just thought about it. He says, would you burn a witch, right? Which is which you're, you're a command in the, in the, in, in the Torah. Hmm. Um, I don't think that modern Christians, modern believers, I should say, in the, in the present modern Christian church would say that witchcraft is okay. Well, right. So, so that law still applies. Capital punishment comes down to the fact that we don't live in a society where sin brings capital punishment, right? In other words, in the Torah, it says that you're not that you, you you're supposed to say, stay faithful to your spouse. Adultery is a sin, and it comes with right. a death because penalty. Because our conscience, if we're new creations, it should be on our conscience that when we're reading God's word that we understand the gravity of sin. Right. Whether or not there's an institution to actually, uh, uh, what do they call, you know, execute the penalty or or enforce whatever the prescribed penalty is, as well as not to mention a just court system to review and, and, and search the matter out to establish the truth of a, of a, of an accusation. Well, and there was, there was a time in, in, even in our nation, you know, the, the witch trials, the you know, the, it's a real thing, right? Adam's uh, Adam from Montana is citing uh, Monty Python. Sorry, that's funny. <laughs> Build a bridge out of it. But the point, the, my point is, is that Christians today, modern Christians today. <laughs> uh oh, Rob's got I'm, the giggles now. I'm right? not looking anymore. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, modern so Christians, Christians today. Back ma- to the ma- idea. So ma- he's saying that, that if he had a nickel for every time someone said, "Well." You don't burn witches. You don't stone your children, right? Yeah, but the point is, is that we still see these things as sin. And honestly, if we lived in the society where people, where where God's law was upheld the way that it should be, right. then yes, we would burn witches. So your what your core point is? If we care about God's word, we still care about a category called sin, and Absolutely. we want to be attentive to what it is. What without regard as to whether there's a punishment hanging over our head or not, or over the person who would do such a thing as this or this or this. The category sin remains whether or not there's a temple, whether or not there is a right. A judicial In other words, body. Do- Dr. Brown might say, oh, we don't burn witches, but he's not going to go uh, be involved in a seance. Right. Right. But it sounds like to now that he's just but he hasn't really got to his point yet. No, right? he hasn't. he's let's, just saying this is what people say to him. Right. Let's so keep I'm going. still wondering what what's his response. Oh, oh, just wait. Very simple principle. There are laws that God gave to Israel to keep them separate from the nations, such as the dietary laws. And that's a big one. Think of all the time you spend meeting people, building relationships around meals. If you can't eat together, it really helps keep you separate. And every day with food, you're remembering that you're a separated people. So there are certain laws God gave to Israel to keep them separate from the nations. So when you get to, say, Leviticus 11, God says about certain foods, these will be detestable to you. Wait, can we... (laughs) <laughs> I knew this was going to set you off. This is bad. This is just bad exegesis. I know. <laughs> here, here's the way I would fr- I would say, Doctor Brown, brother. Uh, it is so clear much here. There's so throughout much, uh, the Torah, particularly Leviticus. Do not and this passage, Leviticus 18. Do not engage in the abominations of the people of the land into which you're going to inherit. So you could say that, well, sure, be separate, be different from them. Yeah, but, but, but it was not, we are never going to teach you about God. It's not, we are, it, it's never, 
God didn't equip Israel to say, I'll tell you what, Israel, these laws are for you to keep you separate. Um, so you're just so that there's this wall between you guys forever. That's not the point. The point is I'm giving you what is good, what is holy, what is true, what is pure, what is just, et cetera, et cetera. And your job is to hold tight to those and to let uh, to not let the abominable behaviors of these other nations in the world that are already in the world infiltrate or stain what is true and holy and good, etc. You are to hold what is to to uh, what you are to hold what is good and true and pure up as the the highest values in your life, and Gentiles are going to see, and they're going to go, "Wow, that's amazing!" And they're going to want to come and learn and worship the true God. Okay, that's but, the way to frame it. But there's multiple things that can be said here. And I got a lot of points on this. Number one, if it's an abomination to God, that means it, it goes against his holiness. So does God's holiness change? The answer is no, no, it doesn't. We know Micah, Micah, I think it's Micah. Micah says, uh, uh, I am the Lord. I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed. Yeah. Right. And so the point is, is That's, that God's uh, Malachi. Malachi, I'm sorry, was I knew, it was, an, I knew it was another M. Yeah, an M, an M. Book. The Italian, he's the Italian prophet Malachi. Malachi, yes. Uh, but the point is, is that God's holiness doesn't change. And if God's holiness doesn't change, then guess what? If it's an abomination against His holiness to eat unkosher food at one point in time, it doesn't matter. It's always an abomination against His holiness to eat unkosher food. That's number one. Number two. I don't believe, and I somebody tried to call me out on this on one of our other videos. I don't believe there's any such thing as a Jewish commandment. There were commandments that were given to Israel, there's no doubt about it. But guess what? If we look at Romans 11, I, I think that the strongest argument that can, can be made for what the olive branch is, is Israel. We are grafted into Israel through belief in, the, in Yeshua the Messiah. The Jews who, uh, the the ethnically Jewish people who believe in the Messiah Yeshua are the first fruits. And the Gentiles who believe in the, in the Messiah Yeshua are like the harvest. Yeah, are the, the harvest, and they get grafted into Israel. So the question I'd have for Dr. Brown is... We're mixing metaphors here, but that's, that's good. The, Paul uses different metaphors. Sure, but the, the, the question I have for Dr. Brown is, have you become part of Israel? Are you part of God's chosen people? Right. And the answer, and, 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 and I hope, is yes. A good point about the Abrahamic covenant. Even circumcision isn't a Jewish commandment, right? It's Abrahamic. It's Abrahamic covenant. Which back to our rabbi's quote, which we were listening to, he's saying every you know nothing supersedes Sinai. Well, Sinai, Paul makes the very point in Galatians that Sinai does not supersede the Abrahamic covenant, right? And right. so it, it, it's really. Uh, uh, important for us to see, you know, because you'll see a similar, you know, this type of rabbinic discussion back to the first clip that Abraham was the first Jewish convert, right? He converted to Judaism, Judaism right. you know, or, and you get this kind of so, so much anachronism being sold that it just, um, it really boggles the imagination. Um, anyway, so back to, back to Dr. Brown. Yeah. I, I, by the way, uh, I call I call this theology that that we that I believe in uh, that I call it enlargement theology. We enlarge Israel. I don't become Jewish because I have become part of Israel. Correct. But I do become part of God's people, which is Israel. Correct. Now there's two, there are this gets it this gets a little sticky because there are two different Israels, right? There's the nation of Israel, like the current nation of Israel, which has rejected as a whole has well, rejected of Israel right yeah, has rejected the, Israel, the Messiah right. and then there's the true remnant people of Israel which are God's people okay should we keep going with this let's keep going in other words yeah. I'm giving this to you but he never gave it to all the nations there are other laws but he did give it to a mixed multitude right Israel comes out of Egypt as a mixed multitude Jew and Gentile alike yeah, and he gave. The, I mean, even the, even one little thread in early rabbinic, um, uh, in the Mechilta de Rabbi Ishmael is, and this is a minority view that ends up not getting traction in the Talmud later. Is the question is why did God give the Torah in the wilderness outside of the land? Hmm. Right, and the the answer is because it 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 uh, it was for the nations of the world. 
Right. <laughs> and certain nations rejected that it wasn't to be a so the giving of God's law. And this is a so this is a very early strain in rabbinic thought that ends up, like I said, doesn't win the day. It gets crowded out by Rabbi Akiva's way of looking at things. But it, it just asks the honest question, which is really a childlike question. You know, well, wow, if the Torah, you know, why was the Torah given out in the wilderness? Right. Um, and it's, it's fantastic. Uh, anyway, right? So <laughs> what a fantastic thought. Okay, let's keep going. Oh, by the way, you know, one of the things that I forgot to do at the beginning of this show, <laughs> this is how this is how long it's been. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can always call our comment line 253-465-3205. You can also email us, seehagatoryresource.com, or you can be part of the chat room, like all these people. Um, all right, let's keep going. I gave Israel that are based on universal moral principles. Don't murder is a universal moral principle. It's established... In Genesis, the ninth chapter, after the flood, for the entire human race. By the way, so I was reading Exodus today, this morning. Was it this morning or yesterday? Anyway, it's interesting that before uh, the Torah is given on Mount Sinai, he continues to, when, it's, when they're talking about manna, right? They're wandering in the desert. And he says, you're not allowed to pick up manna on the Shabbat, on the Sabbath. You're supposed to pick up double on Friday. Why? Because it has been given to you. It's been a perpetual statute that that there is a Sabbath, right? From creation, there was a Sabbath. So the Sabbath was given before Sinai. <laughs> Rob from the chat room again. <laughs> the book of universal moral principles. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Feel the bump. Feel the bump. Let's keep going. If you read Amos 1 and the beginning of chapter 2, God brings judgments on the nations surrounding Israel and Judah. And he judges them for ungodly acts against each other. Out of the chat room. Out of the chat room. Get out of the chat room. <laughs> he doesn't judge them for dietary laws because he never gave them the dietary laws. He, he judges them for rape and injustice and covenant breaking. Yeah, but he so, judges wait, Israel for hey, those same things. No, wait, wait, wait. I well, love this. I, I listen, listen to the very end of what he just said. He judges them for what? Other. He doesn't judge them for dietary laws because he never gave them the dietary laws. He, he judges them for rape and injustice and covenant breaking. Covenant breaking. This is part of the covenant. It is part of the Sinai covenant. If you, if you break it, then what are you doing? You're breaking the covenant. Hello? I mean, clear contradiction here. If you yeah, well, if, and we know. I mean, we've talked about this before. How was how was Abel's offering acceptable to the Lord, or Noah's, right? Or Abra How did Abraham know to to uh, offer lamb to the three visitors? How know? did yeah? How did Noah know I mean, what is the there clean a, animals is there a scenario? Were? Does Doctor Brown imagine that? Abraham could have offered a pig and they would have just sat and ate pig together. I, I, I don't, under, I don't understand his logic. Um, but you know, we got a We got a comment in the chat room, which is very odd. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about. And I don't even know how to say the person's name. The joy of Yeshua is that we is that we uh, is that we have access to Him always. You don't have to go pray in a million dollar church. Pray in your house. So there's some laws that God gave that were to, gave to Israel that were to keep them separate from the nations. There, are all laws were to keep us separate from the nations, and continue to that. But exactly. Not, but 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 the separate here does not mean a giant wall. What exactly. it means yes. is that we, as God's people, retain and uphold in our life the values of his kingdom in the middle of a world that doesn't recognize those values. It's light in, in the darkness. And God has promised that while holding that light, he will draw others to the light and they will confess their sins and they will be transitioned by his Holy Spirit working in their hearts, regenerated. They will be transitioned from the domain of darkness to the domain of the kingdom of his son right that's that's where the line is the the line between holiness and and uh and death is is that it, it it's not a wall that keeps one people uh insular and never talking with the people on the other side that's that would be like 
this is why it's so frustrating for someone that, you know, we respect like Dr. Brown, who's done wonderful work on articulating um, problems with rabbinic theology, you know, and and the walls that rabbis continued to build up in the rejection of the gospel. He's done a great job with that in his his book, Answering Jewish Jewish Objections. So it's not like we're trying to uh, uh, talk negatively about Dr. Brown. We are quoting his, you know, we're, we're, telling you what books are good to look at that he's done and but this is very problematic this particular issue here because it's cloudy he's well, not providing a coherent clear uh picture of of the beauty of what we call you know this promise theology i think i think one of the ma- main issues is that since Christianity for so long, may, and I should say since mainstream Christianity for so long, has taken the view that the Torah has been done away with, that there has been no challenge to what Dr. Brown is saying. It's an echo chamber. You know, he's presenting this at IHOP, which is the International House of Prayer. So he's, which is a, it's a, 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 a very large uh, network of different churches. So, you know, I think that at this point, and this was given a long time ago. I, I can tell because uh, Dr. Brown has, has done phenomenal work uh, in his own life, uh, becoming healthy and, and losing quite a, quite a bit of weight. Well, in the video, he has not lost the weight yet, and he's, he's done this over years. So uh, I, I can tell that this is an older video. Um, oh, okay. I but, didn't realize. I thought this was a newer thing. So but, we, should be, we should also allow for him to have modified his views Sure, I don't think he has. To this. I don't think he has, but the point is is that I don't think that there has been a good uh, I I don't know if people have have uh, challenged this view correctly uh, to Dr. Brown or to to anyone else who holds this view, right? Um, the messianic apologetics or whatever you want to Torah apologetics, whatever you want to call call it, has not done very well. Uh, in that most of the people who are are yelling the loudest have no training and, and can't put up a, a decent uh, defense anyway. Those who do have good training are, are uh, you know, their voices aren't aren't the loudest in the room. You know, even people that I disagree with, um, J.K. McGee is a good is a good example. I dis- I disagree with Doctor Doctor. I don't. I think he has his master's in divinity, but uh, with with uh, J.K. McGee. You know, I, I disagree with him on the theological issues, but at least he has a decent uh, a decent uh, education and it, he can put up good defenses against things like this. There's no doubt about it. And uh, we do agree on a lot of things. So the point is, is that I don't think that Dr. Brown has has had a chance to have someone actually challenge him correctly on why this is such an egregious uh why the work hasn't been done uh, correctly, I think, in what he's saying. Let's listen to a little bit more of this and then we'll. Uh, We'll wrap it up. Other laws that God gave that were universal laws for all people. You say, but who in the world can sort that out? It's not difficult. Here's how you sort it out. Does God speak of the law for all people? If he does, it's for everybody. Or is it repeated in the prophets and reiterated in the New Testament? If so, it's for everyone. Leviticus 18 contains laws that are universal moral principles. How do I know it? Start in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt where you used to live. You must not do as they did do the land of Canaan where I'm bringing you. Do not follow their practices. So he's saying, don't do what the nations do. You say, yeah, yeah, that just means the separation law. This is just for Israel. No, no. We get to the end of the chapter. Most of it deals with incest. It also has laws against bestiality, against adultery. Get to the end of the chapter, verse 24. Do not defile yourselves in any of these ways, because this is how the nations that I'm going to drive out before you became defiled. In other words, this was sin for the pagan nations to do it. This was sin for the Egyptians and Canaanites. What's interesting to me about this is that is that it seems like people think that they, I mean, what is the Torah? If we look at the Torah, really, what is that? What are the laws of Torah? And, and this, uh, Doctor Meredith Klein has done great work in in his uh, Treaty of the Great King on this. 
<coughs> the idea that that uh, that Deuteronomy is is a suzerain vassal renewal treaty with Israel and the Great King is, I mean, it's been proven, right? I mean, Dr. Wood, uh, Dr. Klein, doc, there's just tons of people who have done work on this. And and uh, most recently, uh, Dr. Block, who I had the pleasure of, of chatting with at, at the SBL, um, you know, he's done great work on this as well. It's been proven. It's been shown beyond a shadow of a doubt in my mind that Deuteronomy lines up exactly with what a suzerain vassal treaty was in the 14th, 15th century BCE. Okay, with that in mind, can we see any suzerain vassal treaty ever where people are like, oh, well, we're going to take this part, but this part was, you know, we're going to break it up into all these different categories and we can keep this, but we don't have to keep this anymore. No, either you, either you accept the covenant and you, and you take the covenant upon you or you reject it it's like the back to this bump idea this universal moral principles that he's le- where does he get these well he says he gets them from genesis and he gets them from here where it says in leviticus uh that these were sins for the pagan nations and that's why the land is spewing them out well what about the beginning of luke or, or not luke what about the beginning of leviticus 18 where it says, uh, like one, I'm just going to read it, one through five. Adonai spoke to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel, say to them, I am Adonai or Elohim. You shall not do what is done in the land of Egypt where you lived, nor are you to do what is done in the land of Canaan where I'm bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. That's hukot. You are to do my judgments and my, right. my statutes to live according to them. Right. And it says, I am Adonai, your God. You shall keep my statutes and my judgments by which a man will live. But the man who, uh, I'm, I'm not happy with the NASB here, so I'm modifying it. It's, it's that phrase here, Le- Leviticus 18.5, that Paul cites in Galatians. He cites it in Romans. Um, you were reading the man from who a, does them will live in them. You're talking about Leviticus 18, right? 18.5, yeah. So the contrast here, again, has to do with walking in God's ways versus the ways of the world. Right. That's where the border, that's where the differentiation is. And I, I did post <laughs> Luke 15, the first few verses in the chat room to point out that this, um, remember Yeshua was hanging out with all sorts of people and the Pharisees were like, oh, he's eating with tax collectors and sinners. How dare he? Right. Right. Well, Yeshua's like, look, man, you're imposing your own, that's like your <laughs> your own opinion, like man. Your own no. opinion, man. That's that they were they were projecting man made uh, categories, and then judging Yeshua, being having a condemning condemning attitude in their heart toward Yeshua because of his quote transgression of these traditions of men. And Yeshua's like, look, man, you're yeah, not you're yeah, not advocating yeah, for God's just... law. You're advocating for your own special interest. And what I hear Dr. Brown here doing is he's he's still fuzzy on the same on the the same issue, the difference between the traditions of man and the word of God. That's how I'm hearing it. Well, and and the real question is, who is Israel? Yeah. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Okay, this has been a good conversation. I know that we've uh, we've ramped it up. We're at the the uh, the end of Doc. <clears throat> we're at the end of Doctor Brown's uh, clip. Go ahead. I have to ask. There, someone asked. A brother <laughs> asked way back in the chat room. Did we miss a comment about the rap from that first clip about salvation without faith or something like that? Was there? Someone had posted. You guys didn't address his claim about salvation apart from faith. And and so what I. But we got into the Dr. Brown segment, and so I was wondering, did we leave a stone unturned on that original clip? Did did that rabbi say something about... I've listened to that clip about eight times, and I, there's okay. nothing about Okay, then I, I probably just misunderstood. Um, so, yeah, somebody says in the chat room, happy Hanukkah. It is Hanukkah coming up, right? I believe it's uh, Sunday. I will be in sunny California lighting my Hanukkah. And uh, I can't wait for it. Rob and I, as we said at the beginning of the show, are going to record another Messiah Matters today. And we're going to post it in a week so that uh, because honestly, we feel a duty to our uh, supporters and to our producers, executive and associate producers to continue to to uh, to put up shows, even if we uh, have things going on. And so uh, we're going to do that. 
And I'm very excited, very excited for the new intro music and outro music. Uh-oh, Rob froze. There we go. Um, so do we want to give a teaser for next week? Say, say it one more time. What's our teaser for next week? What are we talking about? Are we going to do the uh, John 1? We had a couple people ask about yeah. the Jehovah's Witness approach we'll, to John 1-1 one, one yeah, we'll talk, last week. We'll talk about John 1-1. One, one. We'll also talk about temple research. There's a lot going on there. Um, and then uh, we might actually, it depends how long it's going to take, but uh, we might get into tattoos. We might also get into uh, death had no pow- power over Yeshua. Oh, that's one. Two, yeah, four through we got to do that one. Um, there's a lot that we have to talk. Caleb was not kidding. He started reading these. He had this just page after page of questions and, and show topics that people have sent our way. And so we're we're very thankful for that because we we want our discussion to be relevant to what you're confronting in your right. in your interaction with others, whether it's a in church on Sunday or at your Shabbat fellowship or at the coffee shop or at the grocery store, whatever kind of things maybe you're, especially in the holiday season, right? right. Thanksgiving, Christmas time, <clears throat> there's people, you know, a lot of us have families that are behave kind of religiously and you have family get togethers. And these are the times where some of these uh, big questions are on the table for discussion. And so we want to, uh, our conversation to re to be helpful. That's right. Uh, for you all. Okay, guys, sign up for our show notes. You can find a link to that in um, the description of this show on YouTube. You can also find it on TorahResource.com. We hope that this conversation has helped you in some way. And, uh, of course, the most important thing is that we hope that uh, it has done one specific thing, and that is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Because Messiah matters.